Cardinals. Four games left left as we are uh, in the home stretch of the NFL season and here to talk some football with us from NFL Network. Mike Yam checks in on the Arizona Sports Line. Mike, good morning. Thanks for joining us today. We appreciate it. Good morning, guys. It's obviously uh, a busy time uh, considering the, the win-loss record for the Cardinals, but there's certainly uh, a lot of news going down. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I was going to present the question to you this way. Um, if there was a, a football-related soap opera <laughs> that was being concocted and the writers came in and met with the producers of the show with the list of things that has happened to the Arizona Cardinals this year, I think those producers would say, this is not realistic enough. Uh, there's too much. I mean, from your standpoint, your viewpoint, um, just your thoughts, on on everything that the Cardinals have dealt with because around here we haven't seen anything like this before. Yeah, it, it's been crazy. Well, you're, you're lucky that there is a soap opera. It's called Real Life and it is being chronicled on Hard Knocks. So, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy because typically when Hard Knocks put their, their show together, you're thinking, oh, it's going to be like this crazy kind of season. We'll sort of see. But you're right. There's all these layers to what's happened to this Arizona team. I'll just take it from a football perspective. I, I think there's been some drama around Kyler, right? I mean, I think, you know, we've seen it on the sidelines. We've seen um, in and out of the lineup, the, the hamstring injury. This team, I, I kind of feel like it's one of those years where they're stink bitten, right? I mean, changes on the offensive line. You know, I, I've been a big defender um, at NFL Network, like in our headquarters uh, for the Chargers. I say, like, look at this roster. You know, what are you supposed to do? Keenan Allen, Mike Williams are unhealthy. J.C. Jackson, their big free agent acquisitions barely played. Changes on their offensive line. And everyone rolls their eyes at me. Like, all right, enough about the Chargers, enough about the Chargers. And yet, if I'm being fair about it and I take a step back, I look at this Arizona team and I, I think you can sort of say a lot of the same things about what Kyler and what Kingsbury have had to deal with. I mean, injuries to the quarterback, injuries to the offensive line, injuries at the skill position spot, hop not starting the season. Like you can story some of the issues that they've had and say, all right, injuries. And, you know, and then on the flip side, you know, I think there's probably a bunch of your listeners that are sitting there going, yo, it's football, it's contact sport. People get hurt. Injuries happen. Other teams are able to respond. And I get all of that. There's just some rosters in the NFL not exactly situated sometimes to have yep. massive attrition like Arizona has had this season. Yet I understand the disappointment as these losses continue to rack yeah, up. Yeah, well, because they're four and fifteen over their last nineteen games, yep. they've been abysmal at home for two years yep. running. This, this is not this. This is no longer something they can write off to one of those years, and that that's kind of the key issue here. But if you'd have told me um, across the NFC West before, if you'd have told me at the end of last year that that Russell Wilson would be gone, that Geno Smith would be an MVP candidate for a while, that Baker Mayfield would end up with the Rams, and that the 49ers would be pursuing a Super Bowl with a third-string quarterback, I'd go, yeah, that's a pretty wild year in the NFC West. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think of that, and what do you think of the chances for the 49ers to keep this thing together throughout a playoff run? You know, I just listened to what you just said, and I never thought of it like that, because sometimes you're so into the weeds on one team, and then you just sort of laid out a really holistic view of that entire division and how chaotic it's been. I mean, just from a quarterback story, you know, in, in its entirety, right? Like with Brock Purdy coming into the mid, I, it really is 
it's insane. That is insanity. Now that I'm, I'm really kind of taking a step back here and, and thinking about all of the changes, it's hard. You know, I, I think Seattle might be in a better situation now that Kenneth Walker looks like he's going to be able to play. Um, you know, that certainly helps. I think they missed their run game a little bit. Look, I, I think coming into the year, I felt really good from a San Francisco perspective. I, I didn't think the Rams are going to be four and nine, but you know, once again, talking about attrition and, and some of the injuries, like it, it makes sense to why they're struggling. San Francisco, though, I got to tell you, it is wild. I, you know, I was up there uh, twice in August, just before the season had started. We were doing some shows and NFL Network for around that team. You, you could watch that defense play, and you'd, you'd sit back and you go, "Oh my God! Like this, this team could potentially be historically good on that side of the football." And they have been terrific. I think the numbers aren't even as good as they they should be because there was a stretch earlier this season, you know, kind of like that week four to week uh, six, seven, eight, something along those lines. You know, they they had missed like seven starters um, out of their lineup, and most of them were on the defensive side. Like this team could even be better if they were healthy the entire season, but. Once once again, health, a major issue for teams across the board. Brock Purdy and what he's able to do, it, it really is masterful. Think about drafting a guy, Mr. Mr. Irrelevant, last pick in the NFL draft, and for him to get inserted into a Kyle Shanahan offense mm-hmm. you know, and, and produce like this in, in essentially a game and a half is, is ridiculously impressive. But I think there's, there's one major factor that I don't think people really hone in on. Dude's on the practice squad. Dude is going up against that defense on a regular basis. And, you know, David Carr the other day was telling me this, and I thought he made a really good point. He goes, Brock Purdy endeared himself with this team because he's talking smack on the field, going back and forth with a defense. And, look, we can talk about, you know, Christian McCaffrey and Kittle and those guys. The the reason why this team can win a Super Bowl is because of their defense. The offense is, is really, really great, too. But this team identity, at least in my mind, is still what happens on that side of the football. And and Purdy right now and this confidence and the swagger that he's got, it it is it's awesome. And I think the biggest question for them is how healthy is Debo? When does he come back? Yeah. Can he remain on that timeline? Because that to me is the biggest piece. Mike Yam from NFL Network, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. Uh, I, I agree with your thoughts on San Francisco, what they've been able to do. Normally, when you get down to your third string quarterback, um, it's a death knell for your season. There's been teams that yeah. have overcome it and made the playoffs, but nobody's won the whole thing. That being said, Philadelphia. In the NFC, uh, I was not a believer uh, right away. I thought they were beatable, but they're just getting stronger. Are they by far and away uh, the team to beat in the NFC in your mind, Mike? Yeah, I think it's it's a three-team race. Philly is definitely at the top of the list. I, I don't think Dallas is that far behind, and I really don't think San Francisco is that far behind. You know, we were having this debate the other day about MVP. I, I still think it's Jalen Hurts at this point of the season. I think there's an argument for Patrick Mahomes, but in terms of a complete football team, guys, like I, I'd be hard-pressed to pick a team more complete than, than the Eagles. And that's not NFC-based. That, I think that's in the NFL. What they're doing on the defensive side in terms of their takeaways is ridiculously impressive, and the offense is as good as anyone in the NFL. So in terms of being a complete team, they're right there. Mike, lastly, I wanted, we want to ask you a little bit of your recollections, your thoughts on the passing of Mike Leach from your time at the Pac-12 Network. He was obviously so great for college football, a guy that went into these outposts and he, he wasn't afraid to practice guerrilla warfare, as one writer said, and he was able to find success and, and just such a great personality. How, what is his space in college football lore? Uh, 
know, there's a lot of really good memories uh, that I have, right? Like he was as unique a human being that I think I've ever met, not just in sports, but just sort of in life. Like the conversations that he would have with you that had nothing to do with football. I, in fact, I could tell you, like, I don't think he ever wanted to talk football on air <laughs> or off air with us. Um, you know, it got to the point after a couple of years dealing with him where I was just like, yeah, he's he, he'd step out into the center. I'd say, Mike, like, we're, we're not talking ball today, right? And he'd look at me and just start <laughs> laughing. Um, you know, he had invited me to uh, his quarterback room a couple of years ago. And so I went up there. We were doing some of our shows that weekend. And, and I went up ahead a couple of days. And, you know, you're sitting in that room and you're watching Anthony Gordon, who was putting up huge numbers like most of his quarterbacks did, um, just kind of going through his tape. And, and he'd stop and he'd grunt and he'd listen to, to Anthony. And then he'd turn to me and offer me tea. And then I'd say, no, thanks. And he'd say, but look at all this tea that I have. And he'd give me the history of like Earl Gray tea. And, and it's. <laughs> it's it's kind of crazy, man. He's just um, he was one of a kind, and I think people can can focus in on what he was able to accomplish on the football field. And you're right; these random spots where he was able to have success, but. You know, I don't know if there's another figure in the game currently, and I don't know if there'll ever be another figure as unique as Mike. Um, you know, the, the press conferences are legendary. The tangents are epic. Um, and just the way that he he saw the game, like people would criticize him for not running the football. And I remember him telling me, he's like, well, look, if I throw a screen, he's like, that's essentially kind of like our run. Like he never thought he was always embracing this idea of doing things different. He didn't care what you thought about what he was doing because, yeah. you know, in a lot of ways he was really successful. And actually over the last couple of days, I've thought about, all of those tangents and how he was able to, you know, basically connect with people. And once again, super successful as a, a head football coach. But I think beyond that, it was more about how does he disarm people? And I think that was sort of like his superpower plus one skill, right? Like we do that for, for players as we're assessing them. But I think from a coach's perspective, his ability to disarm people, to connect with people, I, I think was second to none. He talked to anyone about anything. I mean, there's a great creamery in at Washington State where they have, and I'm a big ice cream guy, like most people. Um, and like, I'd always go there and he'd like tell me about like the creamery and like making ice cream. I mean, it was crazy the wealth of knowledge that he had. Yeah, you will definitely be no most one of a kind. Mike, thanks so much for sharing the yeah, thoughts and thanks, uh, good to catch up with you on the NFL as well. We really appreciate it.